Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Good morning, everyone. I am Pastor Donald R. Johnson III. The R stands for reverence, because that's what my business has been lately, of making sure that I reverence the holy God. I can do nothing apart from his presence. And so, therefore, I, I have decided to, to change my middle name to honor him. Amen. So, yeah, so I'm Pastor Donald R. Johnson III, husband to Raquel Johnson, father to Donald Johnson IV, Jericho Johnson, Wisdom and Rama Johnson. Yvonne Gail Butcher's onlyest baby boy. And Thomas and Beverly Butcher's number one grandson. And I say that because at the end of the day, I'm nobody. God uses me in spite of me. I learned last week as, as pastor came and punched us in the face that God still want to use me even though I'm obese. Praise God. I'm petty. Just understand that I am petty. I am. But, you know what I'm saying? Just understand that you run up, you ain't getting two pieces, you're getting four pieces. I'm just saying, understand that. Don't let the cushion fool you. You've tried to move a couch by yourself into an apartment upstairs, it's not happening. Just a little point of reference. No, but I welcome you guys this morning to worship with us here at the Building Christian Fellowship. Um, the heartbeat, the message that I believe that we've been repeating over the last couple of weeks and the direction that, that, that we are seeing uh, things move into or what the Lord has opened our eyes in wonder to is that he is building his church. Tira came with the message and she, she said, build your church. Lord, build your church. Pastor came last week and, and, and repeated that and echoed that. That God is building his church. And so it's important for us to understand that while God is building his church, I believe that I'm to impart to you this morning to share with you what God is saying back to us as we are saying lord build your church he is saying church stand your ground matthew chapter 16 verse 18 says this this is jesus talking to his disciples brother charles referenced this just a moment ago when he was up here and he said it says that that jesus was talking to his disciples and he asked them he says who do you say that i am 
And Peter, typically being the spokesperson for the group, jumps out first, and he's 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 first out of out of the out of the blocks. He says, "Well, well, well, you're Jesus the Christ, the Son of the Living God." And Jesus' response to him is, "Simon Peter, Simon Barjona, Peter." Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. Blessed are you, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. And in verse 18, he continues and he says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Can the church say amen? Amen. Listen. Through the revelation of who God is. He says, once you get the first thing first, he says, then I can build. When you get the first thing first. So this morning, I know that a lot of the stuff that that we're going to cover, we got a lot of a lot of scripture to cover, but I promise it's going to be quick. It's not going to be long and drawn out. It's going to be quick. But I'm praying that you guys will get. A new revelation of what it is that God is saying about building his church. It's not like this, 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 I don't know if many of you guys have seen this apartment complex that's going up over here across the freeway right here with, with next to the Arco gas station. But it's been a nice little peaceful build over there. But what God is saying is as he's building his church and he's building his church, though it's not flesh and blood that revealed to Peter what it was, but he's going to use flesh and build flesh and blood to build his church which is the people, which is us. You understand that? And so as as we're building his church, there's going to be a lot of opposition. And so I know many of us have, have, have had God reveal himself to us as, as father or as provider or as, as, as uh, 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 you know, as Lord and Savior. But what I need you to understand is that Exodus 15, 3 tells us that the Lord is a man of war and Jehovah is his name. The Lord is a man of war. Jehovah is his name. Let me pause there for a moment. As we read, he's building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What I need you to understand is that gates are defensive and not offensive. When we dissect what Jesus has told Peter and the rest of the disciples is that I'm building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Meaning that the church is not only to be building, but they're supposed to be actively on the offense. Pushing back the gates of hell. Too many times I've heard believers say, man, I'm under attack. I'm under attack. It's because you're not on the attack. And here it is. Jesus lays it out clear. He says, I'm building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Man, I got to give a shout out right now to all of our, our, our veterans that are in the house. Can we get a round of applause for our veterans? Those that have, that, that have served, retired. Those that have, have that are actively serving and fighting 
for the freedoms that we hold so near and dear to us. It's interesting, I was, I was uh, listening to a story the other day, this guy, he uh, was talking about how his neighbor uh, was, a, was a, a, a seal, and that his neighbor uh, was, was out in the garage working out, doing his, doing his seal workouts, and he's like, man, you know, it's time for me to kind of get in shape. He's like, man, I'm going to go ask him, see if he might mind. He's like, you know, see if maybe he can help me out with a few exercises, do a little bit, and, and uh, much to his surprise, the seal was like, yeah, man, come on, sure, let's do this. So he said, man, he, he's like, he's like uh, he says, but if you do this, you got to do this for like a week. At least a week, man. You gotta, you gotta come work out with me for a week. And he's like, uh, he's like, all right, okay, I'll do it. He says, so the first day that he's out there working out with him, he's like, man, I almost died. He's like, you know, he's like, I was surprised. And he said, I, I was really this close to telling him I wasn't gonna be back the next day. But long story short, he follows through and he goes and works out with him. And what's funny about it, he's like, man, he said, this dude was one of the nicest dudes that I've ever met in my life. He says, you know, Typically, when it comes to different branches of, of the service, you know, they got something to say about each other and stuff like that. But he's like, this dude did not say a bad thing about any of the other branches. He spoke very highly of all the other branches. He says, man, if it wasn't for our airmen who were in the sky, they're our eye in the sky. He said, man, if it wasn't for the Marines, man, that are, that are stone cold killers going in there and, and, and tearing stuff up, man, you know what I'm saying? We, we, we couldn't do what we do without them. He's like, we didn't have the army, the soldiers. We didn't have the soldiers with their feet on the ground, man. And going in, we wouldn't be able to handle that. He's like, man, we all need each other. Kind of reminded me of, of scripture where it tells us that we are many members, but one body. Many members, but one body. And so I say that to say that the Lord is a man of war. Jehovah is his name. How many of y'all want to be blessed? Listen, Numbers chapter 6. Y'all like, man, Numbers? Ain't that all the begats, begats, begats? That's just a bunch of names and stuff, right? Let me, let me explain something to you. This is like a long, it's a continuation of kind of what we just read. The revelation God reveals to his people that I am the Lord, I'm a man of war, Jehovah is my name. The children of Israel, that's actually a line of a song that they sang after they were, their exodus from Egypt. Because they saw how their opposers had come and tried to track them down and God moved on their behalf and completely and utterly destroyed them without them having to do anything but be obedient to God. And so we see in Numbers chapter 6, verses 23 through 27, it is, is God giving instruction to his leaders of his people. He says, speak to Aaron and his son saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall invoke or put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. 
don't know if any of you guys were here when Pastor Lee was here last year and she came and did a Sunday. And she talked about how Jacob wrestled with God but wouldn't let him go until he blessed him. And she explained what blessed means. Well, the same blessing that Jacob got and he was named Israel is the same blessing that we just read in this passage, which means that God saluted them. The Lord is a man of war. Jehovah is his name. Now, I don't know about you, but I only see soldiers salute one another and salute their superiors. I don't see civilians salute each other. I don't see civilians offer a salute to anyone. And so what I'm telling you is that if you are called by his name and you belong to the Lord and the Lord is a man of war and he has saluted you, he has blessed you, then it's only right that you bless him. He has saluted you. The Hebrew word barak. He has baracked you to salute you, to approve of you. And so what we see here is that he has blessed us. He is keeping us. He's causing his face to shine upon us. Dealing graciously with us. Turned his countenance upon us and he's given us peace. But it is our job as the church to fight and maintain our position. Amen? Amen. Listen, I want to cover a couple of war strategies real quick. War strategies are often defined in terms of offensive and defensive. Offensive strategy is aimed at capturing or claiming new territory. Defensive strategy is aimed mainly at resisting or deterring oncoming attacks. You guys following? Tactic number one or strategy number one, extermination. This in essence is genocide. You're like, why would would that be something that you're going to relate to? the? If you read the Old Testament, you'll see there's many stories of different people groups that opposed God's people. And so when we look at Exodus chapter 17, we read about this this dude, Amalek, right? We read about Amalek who opposed the children of Israel. So basically what ends up happening is the children of Israel, they get the revelation that the Lord is a man of war. Jehovah is his name after Pharaoh and his army is swallowed up in the Red Sea. So as they're going through the wilderness in the process of working out their salvation, They're going through the wilderness, working out their salvation, getting to know this God who is holy and who is a man of war. Other people groups start rising up against them to continue on the wicked work of the enemy to oppose them and oppose what God is doing in the earth. And so we see that with Amalek and Exodus and we find him again, or we find his people, his descendants again, in 1 Samuel 15, 3, where you have the prophet Samuel goes to Saul, King Saul, and he tells him, the word of the Lord has come to me to tell you that you are to smite the Amalekites 
and utterly destroy them. Leave nothing of them, not even their things or their possessions. What does Saul do? Saul does his own thing. He kills everybody, but saves the best of all of this stuff and even spared the life of the king. Long story short, mind you, he does this and God, what we have to understand is that God being gracious toward us, he was gracious toward Saul, King Saul. This wasn't the first time that Saul had disobeyed him and he had rejected him as king, but this got him rejected completely. As Saul tried to beg Samuel to not allow God to reject him, he reaches out to grab him and it tears a piece of fabric from Samuel's, Samuel's clothes. And Samuel says, just the way that this, this piece of fabric was torn from, from my clothing is how God has torn your kingdom and all that you have and all that he's given you from you. And so here it is. We have extermination. God has commanded them to exterminate. Now, this is just something that's a little, a little extra. I'm, I, you got to do a little bit more studying into this. But God always has a reason. He's always intentional about what he does, what he commands, what he says, why he says it. He told them to kill everything. To smite. Utterly destroy. Everything. Man, woman, child, animal, and all the stuff. Now, the Amalekites, to give you a little bit of history, they were sorcerers. They were, they were uh, into divination. They were, they were into some really satanic stuff to the point of where, whether you want to believe it or not, I don't know how much you believe in the supernatural, but word is, is that even some of them had the ability who were super deep in the occult could shapeshift. So that cow might not be a cow. That might be Dr. Such-and-Such over there, the witch doctor. But he said, kill everything. And what does Saul do? Disobeys. There's a reason why God says what he says. There's a reason why God has blessed you. The next strategy is exhaustion. Exhaustion is the strategy that is probably the oldest of all strategies. It involves weakening the opposing forces over time, physically and mentally. When we read in, in Exodus 17, we see about Amalek, Amalek opposing the children of Israel, opposing God's people, that it said that as long as Moses' arms were lifted, that the children of Israel prevailed. But when he got tired and he was worn down and he was weak, that the Amalekites started winning the war. And so therefore, God brought what, what, what we would nowadays call his staff, his rod and his staff. He says, as a good shepherd, my rod and my staff will comfort you. So we got Aaron and her to come and help lift up his arms. He got his rod and his staff to come and lift up his arms until the battle was won. The Lord salutes you and keep you. Next strategy, annihilation. 
Annihilation is the elimination of other forces. It's the elimination of other forces to, to f the other forces will to continue fighting. Either through attrition or dislocation. This strategy is related to maneuver warfare where the goal is to continually confuse or disorient the enemy forces until they give up. You ever have times where you feel confused, a little disoriented, frustrated to the point of giving up? Well, I'm here to let you know the Lord has saluted you and he's keeping you. He's causing his face to shine upon you and being gracious to you. He's turned his countenance upon you and he's giving you peace. The enemy is constantly trying to confuse and disorient. We know that God is not the author of confusion, but he does things decently and in order. John chapter 14 tells us, starting with verse 29, it says, and now I have told you this before it occurs. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, now I've told you this before it occurs so that when it does take place, you may believe and have faith. In and rely on me. Verse 30, I will not talk with you much more for the prince, the evil genius, the ruler of this world is coming and he has no claim on me. He has nothing in common with me. There is nothing in me that belongs to him and he has no power over me. But Satan is coming and I do as the father has commanded me. Command, that's, that's, that's military talk. Commanded me so that the world may know and be convinced that I love the father and that I do only what the father has instructed me to do. I act in full agreement with his orders. Military talk, rise, let us go away from here. So Jesus is talking. Let me give you some background on this. Jesus is instructing his disciples, letting them know that his time is coming. His time is coming to where he's going to be crucified. And he's letting them know that when I leave you, I'm not going to leave you alone. I've left you a comforter. I've left you an advocate. I've left you a helper. I've left you a teacher who is the Holy Spirit. When we read in verse 30, again, we're talking about the confusion, the disorienting. When you read that Jesus says, the evil one is coming, but he has nothing in me. That phrase, has nothing in me, is the Greek word echo. I don't know if you're familiar with what an echo is. But if I go to a cave, which is hollow, which is empty, which has nothing in it. And I yell, I originate a sound, it's there to reverberate back to me. And many of us are not being ye filled, we are left empty and hollow like that cave. And the enemy who go, roars about like a roaring lion comes and roars. And now we're full of fear and reverberating. Are you following what I'm saying? But here it is, I'm letting you know that you have to remember who you are, that God has saluted you and he's keeping you. He's turned his face upon you to 
deal with you graciously lifted his countenance upon you and he's given you peace. It says that he has sealed us with his Holy Spirit. He has sealed us. That means there should be no empty space. That means we should be filled with the Spirit of God, sealed by him. So that when the enemy comes looking for an opportune time, that we can say as Jesus Christ said, that he has nothing in me. He has nothing in me. There will be no echo. Me being a producer, me being an artist, a recording artist, I understand about room treatment. Every room has reverberation in it. If you empty some of these, some of these seats and, and we're not in here in this room, when we talk, there'll be a little bit of feedback and echo that'll come forth in this room. You can hear it even now because it's bouncing off all of the solid surfaces. How many of you guys know that, that, that stuff that's solid usually is not comforting? What I'm saying is the comfort, the comforter has come to be a comforter in our lives. Said only the sound of heaven resides with which we are sealed, treated. That's why we are the temple. The temple had to be treated. Listen, Jesus tell them, tells them earlier on in that scripture, in that same chapter, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will keep my commandments. What I'm trying to tell you is that he explained to them very plainly, he says, I only do what my father commands. I do this as a means so that way the world will know who it is that I belong to. And so since the world needs to know who it is that I belong to, I only do what the Father commands, and I'm commanding you to do the same thing that I'm doing. Following my commands is what keeps you from having things in common with the world. You see, I feel like the church has lost its sense in recent times on trying too much to relate to the world. We make a mistake and we say that Jesus ate with sinners and that Jesus, Jesus went and hung out with sinners. No, the sinners were attracted to what Jesus had. Notice that the scripture don't say, I'll draw near to you and you'll draw near to me. It says, no, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Keeping his commandments keeps us from having anything in common with the enemy. This leads me to the next tactic, which is subversion. Subversion involves attempts to undermine authority and power of a military government or economy, a.k.a. a coup or an insurrection or a mutiny. Sound like something that took place long time ago in the heavenlies. Ask him how that turned out. Listen, I need you to understand it. I need you to follow this. Subversion. If we're too busy trying to relate to the world, see the enemy comes in 
subtly. He'll use any misunderstanding to try and build up a whole case on why you should be disobedient to the commands of God. Listen, James said it great like this. James 4 verse 6, he says, but he gives us more and more grace. What is the grace? It's the power of the Holy Spirit to meet this evil tendency in all others fully. That is why he says God sets himself against the proud and haughty, but gives grace continually to the lowly, those who are humble enough to receive it. So be subject to God, resist the devil, stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and he will come close to you. Recognize that you are sinners. Get your soiled hands clean. Realize that you have been disloyal, wavering individuals and divided interests with divided interests and purify your hearts of your spiritual adultery. I think I think pastor mentioned that last week, the spiritual adultery. You notice that when the enemy came to Jesus, when he went into the wilderness, it says they went into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Right, he goes into the wilderness, and when the enemy finds an opportune time, he comes to him and he tries to subvert the authority. See, he was the he's the ruler of this world. It's almost like somebody becoming a champion by default, right? By forfeit, because that's what we did in the, in the garden. Let's just be honest; we forfeited. And a win by forfeit is really this, this like, come on, man. What have you really proved? You just happen to show up that day. Right? But here it is. He shows up and he's trying to, he's trying to find a way. He's trying to find some reverberation with Jesus and it's not happening. Jesus resists him. Why? Because he was submitted to the Father. He was submitted to the father. He resists the devil and the devil had no choice but to kick rocks. We have to submit ourselves and be subject to God first before we resist the devil. Many of us, we try to do the latter before we do the first and we lose every time. We wonder why we're not operating with power. We wonder why we're being frustrated because we're not being submitted to the commander in chief. We've allowed a little bit of the devil's influence to creep in and, and influence us and make us think that we're not who it is that God has saluted us to be. Because I guarantee you that a soldier doesn't feel the same way on the battlefield when his, his, his uniforms and his fatigues are soiled with, with, the, with, with the dirt of where, of where the battlefield is and the blood of his comrades as he did the day that he graduated and he was saluted. And he didn't salute you just so you can walk around and look good and look the part. You were blessed for battle. You were saluted for battle. You were saluted to become active 
in duty to the master. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 it says for though we walk we live in the flesh we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons for the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood they're not carnal but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds and as much as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God and we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, being in readiness to punish every insubordinate of his, for his disobedience when your own submission and obedience as a church are fully secured and complete. Why are we not advancing? Because a lot of us, we ain't dealt with our own stuff. Why are we apprehensive about going out and, and campaigning for the commander-in-chief who has saluted us to, to, to go out? Because we, we haven't dealt with our own disobedience. We haven't, we haven't been submitted to the commander-in-chief as a church, fully secured and complete. We've allowed the suggestions and the accusations of the enemy to come in and be loftier than the things, than the words that God has spoken over us. We've entertained these thoughts. We've come into agreement with these thoughts. Yeah, it's hard to, 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 to feel like you are saluted and that you've been certified and blessed for battle when your child's out there. I'm sure it was, it was hard to remember that you were saluted and blessed for battle, Pastor John, when you're laying in the hospital waiting for a heart, not knowing if it's coming. I'm sure it wasn't easy or it was challenging to believe that you were blessed and saluted, Danielle, when you, when you couldn't walk. We've allowed the circumstances that we're in to become greater than the word that God has spoken over us. And we forget that we were saluted. That we were kept by him. That he caused his face to shine upon us. That he's dealt with us graciously. That he's turned his countenance upon us and he's given us peace. John 14, 27, he tells him, he says, I, I give you peace. I give you peace. The peace that I give you is not the peace that the world gives. In another translation, it says, I bequeath you peace. I know that's a real, a, a weird word that you heard. You probably don't go around using bequeath in your everyday vocabulary. But let me explain to you what it means. Bequeath means that I have willed this to you. I have given you as an inheritance my peace. Signed, sealed, delivered. It is yours. And the world can't take it from you. No circumstance can take it from you. No diagnosis of a doctor can take it from you. I have given you peace and it belongs to you. And I salute you. Go in peace. I 
I like the way Spurgeon says it. He says this. The battle that we are in, the battle that the man of war, Jehovah has called us to, he says, and while this battle is being fought, and while it is still, while it's still fighting, go out and fight with other men's sins. Smite them first with the weapon of holy example. Be yourselves what you would have others be. Be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. Be yourselves clean if ever you can hope to be the purifiers of the world. And then, having first sought the blessing of God, go out into the world and bear your witness against sin. Let your testimony be unflinching. Never let a sin pass under your eye without rebuke. Slay utterly young and old. Let, one, let not one escape. Speak sometimes sternly if the sinner be hardened in his sin. Speak gently if it be his first offense. Seeking not to break his head, but to break the head of his iniquity. Not to break his bones or wound his feelings, but to cut in two his sin and leave his iniquity dead before his eyes. This is the battle in which you have been saluted and called to. Why? Because he's building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Go ye forth where sin is the most rampant. Go down the dark alley, climb the creaking staircase, penetrate the dens of iniquity where the lion of the pit lies in the death lair and go ye and pluck out of the mouth of the lion two legs and a piece of an ear if that be all which you can save. Count it always your joy to follow the track of the lion, to beard him in his den and fight him where he reigneth most secure. Protest daily, hourly, by act, by word, by pen, by tongue, against evil of every kind and shape. Be ye as burning and shining lights in the midst of darkness and as two-edged swords in the midst of the hosts of sin. Why a true Christian who lives near to God and is filled with grace and is kept holy may stand in the midst of sinners and do wonders. I love all those who love the Lord Jesus Christ, but nevertheless, I cannot have any truce, any treaty with diverse errors that have crept into the church, nor would I have you regard them with complacency. We are one in Christ. Let us be friends with one another, but let us never be friends with one another's error. If I be wrong, rebuke me sternly. I can bear it and bear it cheerfully. And if ye be wrong, expect the like measure from me and neither peace nor parlay with your mistakes. Let us all be true to one another and true to Christ. And as soon as we perceive an error, though it be, but as the shadow of one, let us root it out and drive it from us. Lest it plague the whole body and put leprosy into the entire fabric of the church. No peace with sin. No peace with falsehood. War, war, war without deliberation. War forever with error and deceit. Peace with error is war with man, but war with error is peace with man. Smite error, smite sin, and you have done your best to promote happiness and union among mankind. Oh, go Christian in the spirit strength and smite your own anger. Put that to death, smite your own pride, level that, and then smite every other man's anger. 
Make peace wherever you can. Scatter peace with both your hands. Let this be the very air you breathe. Let nothing drop from your lip but words of healing, words of tenderness, words which shall abate the strife and noise of this poor distracted world. And now you have a battle before you, a battle against sin and against error, and then also a battle against strife, the battle of love. The blessing. The Lord has blessed you. He saluted you. He's blessed you to do battle. He's blessed all of us to wage the war of love here in the earth. We say it Sunday after Sunday that the church he's coming back for is you if you have the spirit of the living God dwelling within you. Let me explain something. He's not just coming back for a church. He's coming back for his bride. His spotless, wrinkle-free, unblemished, battle-ready bride is who he's coming back for. If our relationship to Christ, if, 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 if marriage is supposed to represent our relationship to Christ, think of it like this. In Jewish tradition, the husband, the, the groom goes to prepare a place for his bride. And thus we see that Jesus has made the same reference. I've gone to go prepare a place for you. I've gone to prepare a place for you. How happy do you think the groom would be if he comes back to find that his bride has somehow been romanced by another man? So therefore, there's the responsibility on our part to wage war, to fight, to stay in the love in which we've been saluted by, by our groom, our soon incoming king, who is coming back to get his spotless, dedicated, holy bride to take her to the place that he's prepared. Can I talk to my stay-at-home moms real quick? The enemy will use anything. And some of you stay-at-home moms have felt unseen. Hard to realize and, and remember that you've been saluted, that God is keeping you, that God's face is shining upon you, dealing graciously with you. His, his countenance has been turned upon you and that he's given you peace. When you feel like your husband is out there, he's going to work. He's, he's working. He's going to work. And the enemy is trying to wear us out with our responsibilities and allowing the tiredness to creep in to try and cause dissension, to try and make you feel insignificant. I need you to dig deep and know that you've been saluted. You've been kept. I know this personally. 
Listen, I know we like to have a lot of analogies about where the wife sits, that she's not behind you. She, she, she's, she's beside you. No, I say that your wife is inside of you, husband, because the two have become one. Do you understand that when God gave Adam his wife, he said, flesh of my flesh, bone of my... He didn't say, oh, this, thank you for this other person. He said, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. Though you may seem like you're unseen, understand this, that you can't see my heart, but it is beating and keeping me alive. And I think that would be the echo of every husband in the room. That my wife is inside of me. I go and do what I do and war in the world because of what's inside of me. You can't see my backbone, but you can see me standing upright. And if something is, is critical, critically injured, it, I can't do anything. Wife, I need you to understand that you've been saluted. I need you to understand. That we are one. It's a mystery. Only God can do it. The enemy will try and use your children. It's interesting. <laughs> a conversation arose the other day. Kids called, kids were out hanging out. Uh, I think it was Jericho. Jericho calls. I'm sitting across the table or sitting, at the, sitting on the couch with Raquel. Jericho calls in and asks Raquel a question about if you had to choose between saving your child <laughs> or your husband. <laughs> Somehow the question came to me. I personally didn't care about the answer to that question. But the question came to me. So, Dad, would you save your kids or you save your wife? I'm saving my wife. Straight up. Saving my wife. Bottom line. Why? Because I have a covenant to her. I have a covenant to her. That's the Lord's daughter. I promised him that in sickness and health, better or worse, richer or poor, poorer Why? Because that's what God did for us. That's what Jesus did for his bride. He laid down his life for his bride. He didn't lay his life down for his children. He laid his life down for his bride. The Lord has saluted you. I just recently this week, you know, we, we had um, the elders met. We had a, a couple of um, like little trainings and stuff that we did. And, and uh, I, I want to encourage you guys, if you haven't done growth track, make sure you do it. So that way you can find out your spiritual gifts. But for me, I found out that my, one of my spiritual gifts is the gift of faith. Um, gift of faith, gift of teaching gift of exhortation, uh, gift of prophecy, and the gift of giving. 
And so uh, I pray today that you guys have been imparted faith to give you an idea of what the gift of faith is. Because we had this conversation and the Lord spoke it to me over the weekend as was pondering it. The gift of faith is the audacity to believe God for the impossible when everything else is lined up and stacked up and says otherwise. The audacity, to give you an idea of what audacity is, the audacity is the Hebrew boys that says that in the midst of a real fire that has consumed those that have stoked it, that our God is well able to deliver us from this. But even if he doesn't, what? That's what the gift of faith is. And I pray that you guys would receive that same gift today and encouragement and a building up of your faith this morning. As you understand that you have been saluted, you've been blessed. And I need you guys to understand that, that when you, when you say that you are blessed, that you recognize what that means. When someone asks how you are and you say I'm blessed, that means I've been saluted. I've been, I've been approved by the man of war who is Jehovah. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 2. Some of you guys don't even recognize this. Well, you guys probably will in a minute. It says, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you heed the voice of the Lord your God. Verse 3, this is where it gets good. Blessed shall you be in the city. And blessed shall you be in the field. Do y'all recognize that? Blessed shall be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your beasts and increase of your cattle and the young of your flock. What am I reading? I'm reading that it says that if we do what God has commanded, he's commanded a salutation, a salute to each and every one of us that we would be saluted in the city, saluted in the field. He's going to put his stamp of approval on everything that we have. So I am going to close us out with a declaration in here. Tear, you can come up. Don't start playing it. I need us to understand and get this in our spirit that we've been saluted, that we've been blessed, that the Lord has blessed us. He's keeping us. He's turned his face to shine upon us, to deal graciously with us, that he's turned his countenance upon us and he's given us peace, peace that the world can't take away, peace that surpasses all understanding. I need us to get this in our spirit. I don't know if you, any of you guys have been coming across some of these mashups on, uh, on IG. You know, they're taking, they're taking like hyphy music and they, you know, uh, putting, putting gospel choirs over it and stuff like that. So I made a mashup of my own, man, and I want to encourage you guys with it. So let's stand to our feet as we declare this and get in our, our spirit that we are blessed. Let's go. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. For 
my people that are in affliction or whether you are healed, you got to declare that you blessed. Listen, hey. It's a blessing to see the sun I'm elated to be alive In a weapon contrived that could never kill my drive Position with precision, properly poised to thrive Get so many fresh pressed oil moisturized That anointed from the head to the beard to the skirts From his word to my heart to the turf in the church He said blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth Meditate, let it marinate and watch it work My DBA, Blackstone Belfine, menacingly handsome Thomas and Beverly Butcher's number one grandson Better known as Donna Ray, what to my family, we going on all the way up ain't no ifs, I shoot this gift just like a handgun My accomplishments need no compliments Place my confidence in this providence I ain't been Nathan less than common sense So competent, spitting these vows and consonants Pray my story, spread his glory to every nation, tribe and continent Blessed in the city, we blessed in the field We blessed when afflicted and we blessed when we heal I'm saved by his grace and by his spirit I'm sealed, yeah Hey, look, uh, and I don't worry about a thing, baby Uh, cause he gon' meet all of my needs, baby Sunset free and show no free indeed, baby. Yeah, listen. It's a blessing to see the sun. I'm elated to be alive. And a weapon contrived that could ever kill my vibe. Position with precision, constantly void the fly. Was fitted in special press, oil moisturized. I pray where I'm ceasing my opponent, ceasing the sis. I seize the moment. Staying instant in season, honing my gift. Well seasoned, salt and pepper in my goatee. Don't claim to be the goat, but I ain't the sheep to go at either if you know me. Blackstone Belfont, menacingly handsome. Thomas and Beverly Butcher's number one grandson. Known as Donald Ray, what to my family? We going all the way up ain't no if I shoot this gift just like a handgun my accomplishments need no compliments place my confidence in this providence I ain't been Nathan less than common sense even if the future look ominous I'm an optimist my father's prime optimist making good on all his promises blessed in the city blessed in the field we blessed and we blessed when we healed I'm saved by his grace and by his spirit I am sealed let me hear you say let me hear you say blessed come on you the Lord keep you turn his face upon you that he shine upon you and deal with you graciously that he turn his countenance upon you and give you peace that surpasses all understanding now I need you to say it like you mean it until your circumstance changes let me hear you say come on blessed 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 salute come on blessed Say bless, come on, bless, come on. A little louder. Come on, come on. The gates of hell won't prevail. The gates of hell won't prevail. Cause you've been blessed by the best. Cause you've been blessed by the best, yes. Give him some praise. Right now, right now, right now, listen. Right now, right now, 
I need all of the elevators to come up to the front. Everybody that's going to camp, up to the front right now. Everybody going to camp. Hallelujah. Listen. This message is going to segue into the rest of your week. Come on, young people, come close. Don't, don't, be, don't be scared. Don't be scared. Come on up. Bring it in. Close. Bring it in for the real thing. Come on. Come down. Let's go. All the leaders up here, too. Yeah. I need you guys to understand and get this word in your spirit that the God we serve is holy. The God we serve is holy. One of the tactics that God used was annihilation and extermination. And on behalf of every parent that is allowed things to be passed on. The things that we didn't deal with our, 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 our obedience the way that God wanted us to, the things that we didn't utterly destroy that we passed on to you. We like to dress it up and make it cute and call it generational curses. I call it generational disobedience. Right? We, if we say curse, that puts the responsibility on God and we don't take the responsibility for our part in it. Because the curse wouldn't be a thing if it wasn't for disobedience. But there's stuff that y'all been dealing with. That's not of your own. But it was passed on. I repent on behalf of the parents. But I need you guys to get this message in your spirit that God has saluted you. He's blessed you. When Jesus told Peter that upon this rock I'm building my church, do you know what the church means? The church means the called out ones. I've called them out from the rest of the world. And I'm telling you and I'm declaring that over you right now. That God has called you out from the rest of the world. Even if it's for just this week, he's called you out, but don't underestimate what he can do with you in a couple of days. So I want to pray a blessing over you. That this week, God will reveal his holiness to you. That the seed of awe and reverence would be implanted into your very soul and that your lives would never be the same that your, your lives would be set ablaze for him for the rest of your days that everything every, every generational disobedience that ran through your line is dead ended with you Can we stretch our hands to these lives right now? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for these young lives. Lord, I ask that you would 
deal with them graciously, Lord. Father, I thank you right now that the generational disobedience that has run rampant for so long in these family trees, Father, would find its end right now in them. Right now, Father, that they would have a great separation. A great chasm would be placed between them and what has been assigned to their family tree. Father, I pray right now from here on out that they are blessed. That you are keeping them. That your face shines upon them. That you deal graciously with them. That you have given their approval. That you turn your face, your countenance upon them. And that you give them peace that surpasses all understanding. Father, I thank you for mental health. Father, I thank you right now for self-esteem. I thank you for confidence. I thank you for God confidence. Father, I thank you for identity. Father, I thank you that your word is a two-edged sword that pierces down and separates soul from spirit, bone from marrow. That if there be any company with them, that your word would penetrate, pierce, separate, and remove the un- authorized company that has come about from disobedience and agreement with darkness in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you right now that every spell be broken. I thank you that every chain is broken right now in the name of Jesus. Every hex, every curse be broken right now in the name of Jesus. They are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a city that is set up on a hill whose light cannot be hid. Father, I thank you that they are the Caleb and Joshua generation. That they only believe the report of the Lord. That they wouldn't worry about how they are seen in their eyes, but they know that you have saluted them. That they see themselves as generals. That they see themselves as lieutenants in your army. Build your church. Build your church, Lord. Build your church, Lord, and use these lives. Use these lives from the youngest to the oldest. Use these lives, Lord. Father, I thank you that you have gone to the woods to to go before them so that way you will meet them when they arrive. I thank you, Father, that this will not be a common camp, but it will be uncommon. Father, for you have gone there and you have made it holy ground. Father, I thank you that you are there to meet them as you did Moses with the burning bush. Father, I thank you for burning bush experiences right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for Samuel experiences, Father. Well, they will be woken up by you calling their name in the night and they will say, yes, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for equipping the leaders with grace to lead those that are under their care as good shepherds. Father, that they watch over your flock, that they feed your lambs, they feed your sheep. Father, I thank you for the bonds that will be made, the relationships that will be built, the identities that will be revealed, the callings and the spiritual gifts that will be stirred up. I thank you, Father, for the clarity, the sureness, and the confidence that they will come back with. Father, that they will not come back 
the same, but will be forever changed because they went and met with the master. Father, I thank you for the work that you will do in each and every life here. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we pray this in the mighty, magnificent, and matchless name of Jesus. We say amen and amen. Give him some praise. Give him some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.